Psalm 51 tells us, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Right now, before we begin, in the whispers of our hearts, can we just come and repent before God? And can we just ask God to create in us a pure heart, a steadfast spirit within us? And let's ask God to not cast us away from his presence, but to seek his spirit. Let's just come right now in the whispers of our hearts and just come and repent. Come clean before God before we begin our service. Can we pray together? Father, as we transition now to the message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth will be pleasing in your sight, O God. I pray, God, for those who are listening. I pray for, God, our hearts. God, as we listen to your word, that the meditation of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. And God, I pray, God, that during this service, that we put ourselves aside, but we'll put you first. It will make this service all about you. Heavenly Father, take all the glory, take all the honor, and take all the praise. For your, your name is above all names, and you deserve all praise. So God, we lift up our hands and worship, and we give this service, and we give all glory to you and to you alone. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and I pray. God's people pray. Amen and amen. Uh, before we begin, I want to show the clip uh, for those who were not here last week. Uh, just once again, the clip from the Jesus musical. Uh, let's just go ahead and enjoy the clip, and then we'll begin our message for this morning. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, this one? Every time I see this scene, still gives me the goosebumps. I uh, love this scene, especially today. It's gonna tie in with this story, this story, this exact video, this clip that we just saw is going to be found here in today's main passage in Mark chapter four. Again, welcome to our second Advent service. We're in the topic and the theme of this one. Last week, our message the title was he left the 99 for this one today he pursued this one he pursued this one individual and in this musical his name is uh, dorian i actually didn't know that i didn't know that he had a name so i guess dan your name your, your nickname can be dorian it works d and d so dorian so anyways Today's message title is called, He Pursued This One. And before I begin, I would like to state the passage that we went over last week in Luke 15. I found my typings, the tie clip. I found it, and I, when I found it, I was like rejoicing. I was like so happy, and because I was sad, because it was a gift. I'm very sentimental. Uh, I found it, so yay. It's good. Anyways, 
Let's go to today's main passage found in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. Just keep in mind, I'm going to be discussing two chapters here today. The first one is going to be Mark 4, verse 35 to 41. And then I'm going to go to the next chapter, Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. But let's begin with Mark 4, beginning with verse 35. Okay, it says this, the title says, Jesus comes the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if he drown? Verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Remember, remember that phrase for later in the sermon. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now chapter 4 ends. Let's continue in Mark chapter 5. The title is, The Healing of a Demon-Possessed Man. Verse 1, they went across the lake of the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind them anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged, remember this part, begged, to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Again, this is a very special passage. Not only is that seen with Dorian, one of my favorite scenes in the musical. This was a special trip because a few years ago, a long time ago, years ago, I took a trip and I was literally on the same journey as Jesus took the disciples. We were on a boat. We went through the Sea of Galilee to the region of Decapolis, to the Gerasenes area, to where this demon-possessed man was. And that story, it still resonates in my heart even to this day. It's a very special story because Jesus, he forsakes everything. He risks everything to go and to pursue this one individual. 
this demon-possessed man. Keep in mind, the disciples are what? They're Jews, right? They don't eat pigs. They stay away from areas where pigs are, right? They're, they, they're anti-Gentiles. They stay away from these areas. This region of Gerasene was not a Jewish area. It's like us going to a different place, uh, to the enemy's territory. And that's what was happening here in this story in Mark chapter 4 and in Mark chapter 5. And a lot of times, God tells us to go, just like missions, right? We go. But sometimes, there are times where God calls you to stay and watch the church, watch and stay where you are. Stay and be faithful where God has called you. And in this case, we see here in Mark 4, the disciples are called to go. And in Mark chapter 5, this individual who is saved by Jesus Christ, he is called to stay. But at the same time, in the end, everything is the same. It's about following Jesus Christ where God has called you to be. Amen? So with that, point number one, go. Go in Christ. Go in Christ. Jesus tells the disciples, let us go over to the other side. Mark 4 verse 35 tells us that day when evening came, every detail is important in the story. When evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So what I just shared with you, the context I gave before I gave you point number one is important. It's the other side. It's a place where the disciples are not familiar with. So three sub-points to keep in mind. Number one, letter A. These are disciples, right? They are followers of Christ. These are not just new Christians. Letter B, it was dark. It tells us in verse 35 that when evening came, meaning it was dark, you do not want to go travel on a lake, or to the river, or wherever in the water, in the dark, when evening had come. And it's dark, and why there? Let us see, desire not. The disciples desire not to go. They had no desire to go to this place. Again, it's an anti-Jew area. It was a place where the Gentiles were. So we could paraphrase and say, they were just pretty much saying, Jesus, it's getting late. Jesus, it's time to go home. Jesus, do you know what time it is? It's night. Instead, Jesus says, let us go over to the other side. And when you're in a relationship with God, many times there will come a time, a time maybe now or maybe years from now where God will call you to places where you are not comfortable going, to a place where you are not familiar with. But when God says, let us, let us go, then we say, yes, amen? This place may be a place of discomfort, place of unfamiliarity. The disciples did not want to be in a boat and travel to the other side because they had the possibility of drowning. No way. I remember years ago in Colombia, I was on a mission trip and it was a city in Bogota. And again, there's a place called the Bronx and there's also the red light district. And we had a revival and the night was finished and it was late. But the main, main pastor, he said, we're going to the red light district, we're gonna go. The kids are tired. You know, it's like we wanna go home. We had a long day. If you've ever been on a mission trip, each day is tiring. So by the time you get home, you what? You shower and then you Pass out. If you want best sleep, go on missions. But he said, we're going to the red light district. And a lot of people were like, what? Why are we going here? We have kids with us. Some of them were middle school students. Well, like eighth grade, right? Younger than that, it's not good for them. And then high school students, and then college students. But you know what? It was good for us to go. 
but there was a reason because that was an area where we were going to plant and do ministry in that, in that location. When God calls us, how many of us, we make excuses and reasons and we say, no, not now. You see, God, I would love to follow you, but just like Jonah, we go to the other direction. But when God calls us to go, may our answer be yes. Yes, God. The disciples had many reasons. Right? It was dark. They didn't have the desire to go. They were like, Jesus, I would love to go, but, but, but. May our answer never be filled with buts and excuses. But may we say yes. Amen? So again, point number one, go in Christ. Point number two, come. Come in Christ. What do I mean by calm in Christ? You have to remain and worship in Christ. You have to remain fighting on the journey. Be faithful on the journey. You journey on in Christ. So they get on this boat, and we see here in verse 37, we're still on chapter 4. It says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, and it was nearly swamped. The disciples here, they get so scared, they're so afraid that they wake Jesus up and they ask Jesus, Jesus, I told you, they're pretty much saying, Jesus, we should have just went home where it's safe. But what was Jesus found doing? He said he was in a stern, sleeping like a baby on a cushion. The disciples, it says in verse 30, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? What a foolish question. Of course Jesus cares. Of course he cares. He loves us. He created us. He knew us before we were even born, it says in Psalm 139. Of course he knows us. Of course he cares if we drown or not. But Jesus here, he is found sleeping. And piggybacking of what I said earlier, when God calls us to go, we say yes. And when God gives us the call to go and we say yes, it doesn't mean there won't be any storms. There will be storms. When, when God calls us, there will be storms. Why? It's to shake up your faith so that you can place your trust in Him. And this storm was not an ordinary storm. The storm was so strong that the waves broke over the boat, Yoon, and it nearly swamped the boat. It was a life-threatening situation. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? What a foolish question. And many of us, we do that at the end of the night. God, don't you care? God, do you really care about me? Of course, he cares. Mark 4.40, it records it as, do you still have no faith? That was the answer that Jesus gave. And this passage is recorded three times in the Gospels. We just talked about the main passage that we just went over, Mark chapter 4, verse 40. But it's mentioned twice more in other Gospels. It says in Matthew 8, 26, it records it as, you, Jesus responds, you of little faith. And the third time it shows up, it's found in Luke chapter 8, verse 25, and records it as, where is your faith? And it's told three different times in Scripture and asked in three different ways to speak to all of us who are in different seasons of our lives. Maybe you are an individual like the one that is recorded in Mark. Man, I don't think I have faith. I don't have faith. I have no faith. Or maybe we're like the one in Matthew. Little. I think I have little faith right now. I used to have a lot, but today is a little different. Or like Luke. I once had it. Where? I don't know. It's gone. I used to have it. I'm not really sure. But no matter where we are, the scripture has the answer. 
whether you have little faith or you don't know where your faith went or you have no faith, Jesus comes and what was his response? Quiet, be still. He tells a storm as we saw even in the musical. And then the storm listens to his voice. But the disciples are saying, Lord, we are going to drown. Save us. Don't you care if we drown? What a foolish question. Of course he cares. Of course he cares. What the disciples should have said was, even though in the midst of the storm, we're going to this destination, to a place that is unknown and unfamiliar to me, and even though this obstacle is happening, this opposition is happening to me, Jesus is right here on the boat with me, sleeping. Therefore, I will trust in him, and I will lift up my hands and worship, and I'll worship you. And I pray that as we're here today, no matter what storm you're going through, know that Christ is with us. He lives in us, and he is with us right now. Teacher, don't you care if he drowns? Of course he cares. He's right there with us. He's right here, right now, at this moment. We worship him because he's the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega, the author and the perfecter of your faith and my faith, of our faith. Jesus says, quiet, be still. Half time. We're halfway there. Just hang in there. Let's continue. Let's just turn to our neighbor and give him a high five or, I don't know, give a smile. You could put your mask down a little bit and like, mm. you know, I don't know if you're smiling. You're smiling with your eyes, but you're like, <laughs> it's good to have you back, you. So they get to this other side. And now we're transitioning to chapter 5. And we see that they're in the region of Gerasenes, or Gerasenes, Gerasenes. People have different way of saying it. <clears throat> we're in Mark 4, now transitioning to Mark 5. The scripture tells us in Mark 5 and verse 1 to 18, right when they get to that location, they meet a man with an unclean and an evil spirit. And he came from the tombs. I mean, that's pretty scary. The first thing you see, I remember when we went to Thailand, <laughs> we stayed in one hotel. It's crazy. Like, you hear noises, and they, they're all about, like, shamanism and, like, Buddhism, Hinduism, and especially, like, to go on vacation, beautiful place, but to go on a mission trip, a very different story. And we went to this one area. It was a pretty nice hotel, I guess. Not a hotel. What do you call that when they have, like, rooms outside? Like an inn? Huh? A, a resort? Oh, that sounds too fancy. doesn't sound right. We went to a resort at a mission trip. Anyways, it's not that fancy, uh, but it was really nice. The view was beautiful. We were up in the hills and the mountains. The view was beautiful. And then the guys, you know, guys will be guys, and we decided, like, in the middle of the night, just for fun, like, oh, let's just, you know, try and, like, scout the area in the, in the night, right? It was dark, and we were looking, and, and then we sent two guys over. We had them take the walkie-talkie, just one. Was there one walkie-talkie, Daniel? Just one? Yeah. And then <laughs> the walkie started to break, and then made them, like, take a picture, a video of it, and then it's like this this house, Dan, you want to explain a little bit? What was the house like? Yes, it was in shambles, and there was a tiny bread on the wall. But yes, it was like in red. It was in red. It was in red. It's, it was in red. So it was like, and it was, it was boarded up too, right? And then the, the door was like, you wouldn't open, and they went in. And then I remember they got so scared, like one of them left the other, they ditched, and then like we ran, and it was just fun. It was just a, a good memory, a fun memory. But imagine they get to this first, this location, and they see a demon-possessed man. He is like Hulk-like strength. Like he came from the tombs too, from the tombs where the graves were. He comes, and that's the first thing that the disciples encounter. And the disciples knew 
that this place was a place of bad reputation. Again, this is the region of Gerasenes, Decapolis. It was a forbidden place. So in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, it tells us just to, just to remind us of the story once again. It says in verse 1, They went across the lake of the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind them anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been changed hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. If you remember back to point number one, I have three sub-points. Remember, these are the disciples. Remember, it was dark, and they desired not to go. They did not want to be here in this place because this was a forbidden place. And this place was an isolated place. And whenever a place or a person is in an isolated place, that is a breeding ground for sin to flourish, for the devil to trick your mind. You want to get messed up by the devil? Then be isolated. For that is the breeding ground for the devil to do his work in your mind and in your life. That's why God calls us to come together as a church community to worship. That's why during Corona, everybody had a hard time. Everybody's faith was tested because they couldn't go to church. We couldn't be together. Worshiping online on a screen is different compared to coming together and worshiping together as people of God. So anything isolated is a breeding ground for sin to flourish. And these people here in Gerasenes, in the region of Decapolis, they were isolated from the truth. The disciples thought Jesus came to bring light to my life, to my people, to the Jewish people, to the chosen people. But Jesus was doing far beyond. He's reaching the lost. He's reaching the Gentiles. The Romans would call this place, they had a name. They would call this place the dark place, the secular place. The Jews called this place the forbidden place, a place of no hope. This place was not a place for the Jews, the chosen people. We know this because the people here in this region, they raise pigs and Jews, they have nothing to do with pigs. Only Gentiles and the filthy raised and ate pigs. And we see that they had many pigs. 2,000 numbers as later we see. Jews were forbidden, again, to eat and to raise pigs. This was a place of impossibility. So when the disciples got there in Mark 5, did they believe in their heart that anyone here in this region can be saved? Absolutely not. So just for us to have a better understanding of what this place could be like, imagine an area, a neighborhood, maybe you might drive by, a place where all the houses are boarded up, drug houses and places that are closed, isolated, forbidden places, boarded up places, places that are covered with black, dark tint, where you cannot see the inside of what's going on. But when the light shines, the light shines. And the darkness cannot hide the light. And Jesus Christ was that light. He came and he brought light into this dark region. Jesus was that light to this isolated place. To this forbidden place. These people, they were isolated and now the light had come. The greatest light of all. And the light of Jesus Christ. I've been in places and missions where these places are so dark. It's indigenous areas where they've never heard the gospel before. Places like the Bronx, if you ever go in Bogota, in the, there's a place called the Bronx, and you literally have soldiers with guns. And places, it's a place where everything is legal. Drugs are legal. I mean, it's just something that you see in an ap apocalypse movie. There are areas where these places are so forbidden and you're not allowed to step into this area. But Jesus, he goes and he goes into these areas, places that were full of paganism, 
cultic activities. This place was haunted, and they finally encounter a demon-possessed man. And not just any demon-possessed man, but super strength. Super, he, no one, he's screaming, he's cutting himself with stone. Super strength, no one could bind him. He was out of his mind. He was no longer himself. The demon legion had taken over his life. Again, remember, anything isolated is a breeding place, a breeding ground for sin and for the devil to flourish. And the devil was flourishing in that area. He was having amazing time messing up everybody. And the Romans allowed these people to manage themselves. This was a dark place. You do what you have to do. You, you do you. No one here has hope. But Jesus comes and he brings light. And he saw hope in this place. Jesus comes and sees this man and Jesus says what? Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And Jesus asks, what is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. I believe this is the only time where Jesus asked for a name to a demon. And then the demon, he begs Jesus to be sent to the herd of pigs. Jesus gives permission and the demons go into 2,000 and they go into the water. The people came over to see what this commotion was about. And they saw that this demon-possessed man, once who could not be controlled, was sitting there dressed and in his right mind, clean. He has come to his senses. Again, let's look at Mark 5, chapter 5, verse 12. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Verse 17 we see that this, these people are not generous people. They're pretty selfish. They're not even rejoicing on the fact that their brother, this one brother, this one man, this one, was saved and in his right mind. But they, they care more about the loss of their animal. So this passage tells us that these people were selfish and they were greedy. They were failed to see the miracle of one brother being saved. They care more about their income than Jesus. What about you? Do you care more about your personal things than the life of an actual person? If you're wearing an expensive scarf, John Lonnie is the only one wearing the scarf. <laughs> I think it's Gap. It's like $10. <laughs> if you have a Burberry scarf and you see someone in need, a homeless, would you or would you not? Not saying you have to. Maybe you can go and buy a scarf. Maybe it was a gift. But do we care more about things than the actual individual? Do we? These people, they care more about the things, the personal things, personal items than the pe people. Are you more concerned with programs, numbers, animals than that one person? Some people literally love animals more than human beings. They literally love dogs more than human beings. Who here loves dogs? I don't, it's like, who would you choose? Your dog or a person they're falling? Who would you save? The dog. 
It's crazy. The animal, when they die, they die. But for the human being, it's eternity. Where? It's everything. This demon-possessed man is free. He is sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Can you imagine the scene? He's clean now. He has come to his senses. I mean, what would you do if you were him? I would say, Jesus, I will follow you. Wherever you go, I will follow you. I will follow you to the ends of the earth. I will follow you with all of my life. Which leads to our point and last point. Point number three, stay. Stay in Christ. This man is finally free. I mean, just imagine what's happening here. Verse 18 to 20, Mark 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. He's free, and now this man, he wants to follow Jesus. Of course, this man, he was once lost, and he wanted to follow. This brings me back to the first time when I was saved and how I made my prayer and commitment to God, God, I will follow you anywhere. But what's amazing here is that Jesus does not let him. Instead, Jesus tells him, go home and tell everyone your story. Verse 19, go home to your family, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Just imagine this one man. He lived his whole life, or we don't know for how long, in demon possession. He had no control of himself. He had lost his mind. Everyone around him, his friends, neighbors, brothers, sisters, everyone had forsaken him. They had given up on him. They actually tried to bind him with chain because they couldn't control him. They were fearful of this individual. Imagine that was you. Imagine this individual. And now he finally meets the Savior, and he is saved. And the Savior, your Lord and Savior, is about to go on a boat and leave on a boat. Would you not seize this moment and ask, Jesus, please let me go with you? How many of us, when we meet Jesus and we are saved, we say, Jesus, I'll go with you anywhere. We want to follow him everywhere. But in this story, Jesus doesn't say, come with me. But he tells him, stay where you are. Stay. Go home to your family and tell how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. Pretty much Jesus is saying, stay and tell your story. For they will listen to you. And what does he do? He obeys. Life is all about obedience to God. Just, I was just reminded of like a dog. I think the most phrase you say is, go, stay, stop. <laughs> it's about obedience. Obeying our Lord and Savior. The man obeyed and told his family and everyone how he has been saved. And I'm closing with this. And I'm here to bring a reality check for everyone, for all of us here today. Sometimes, most of the times, our circumstances don't always change. Okay, once we are saved, when Jesus touches us, we expect this amazing miracle and everything. All of a sudden, my family situation is going to change. The, it's, it's, the f- friends around me is going to change. And it's all these circumstances. Everything, everything is going to change around me. Maybe for the better or maybe not, or maybe for the worse. But the reality is, 
we usually go back to the same neighborhood, same background, same surroundings, same struggle and hardship. And sometimes our circumstances don't always change. But it's like that image that we see on social media. It's about this little boy who's holding a shield with rocks thrown at him. And it says, life doesn't get something. It doesn't change or something. But it's you, the individual, that becomes stronger. And then you see the next image, he's like all jacked and big with the shield. And what changes is you, is our hearts. Our hearts change. It is no longer our spirit, but it is God's spirit that allows us to overcome difficult circumstances. You are not the same as you were last year or years ago when you used to struggle with that sin, when you used to struggle with the things in the past. You are a stronger version of yourself today because you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, but it's Christ that lives in you. And it is because Christ lives in you, you are stronger here today than you were yesterday. We go back to the same surroundings, similar hardships, broken homes, abusive homes, parent absent homes, similar jobs, same relationships. But be encouraged today because these are the places that God has called you to be and to go and to stay. Amen? These are the places that God has called us to be. And what's amazing here, if you read and when you go home, read Mark chapter 8. We were in Mark 4, Mark 5, and we saw that he was in the region of Decapolis. And we see the feeding of 4,000 in Mark chapter 8. And why the feeding of 4,000 is different from the feeding of 5,000? There are two times where Jesus feeds the multitude. And I'm talking about the one in Mark 8. That's the feeding of 4,000. Why that is important is because that place, that region was a Gentile region. That region was the region of Decapolis. What did Jesus do in Mark 5? Jesus, everything that Jesus did, he had a plan. He reached this one individual, Dorian, this individual that we saw. This demon-possessed man. And he began to tell the story about what happened to him. Through this testimony of this one individual, he paved the way for thousands of others to prepare their hearts to hear the good news. He was pretty much John the Baptist. He prepared the way for Jesus to come and to bring his people back home. And we see that 4,000 just men are recorded. But men and women, children, the number doubles, 8,000. Imagine that miracle in Mark 8. Bringing all those people together. Through the salvation of one man, many came to salvation. Through the faithfulness of few disciples and one individual, one God, one Jesus Christ. Many heard the news and came to see Christ. Because the disciples went and reached this one man. Many heard the testimony and came to know Christ and to know him to the full. This one, this one is everything. In a church, one individual can make or break the church. Let us make the church let us make the gospel. Let us make the kingdom of God. Let us come together. Each part, each body is important. We're only strong as the weakest link in our chain. If there's someone hurting, we don't leave them, leave them be and leave them behind. We say, come, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it again. And we do it again and again and again. If you don't stand courageous, who will share the gospel to your region, to your home, to your city? Jesus Christ, for all of us, he came to the other side. He came for you and for me. 
He came to where I was, where I was broken, when everyone had forsaken me, where no one wanted to come. He came. He we, we were lost in our sins. Jesus came to my rescue. It says that at just the right time, Romans 5 tells us that when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you understand that when you were still powerless, Christ died for the, for the ungodly? Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. When I was lost in my sin, Christ came to rescue me. He pursued this one. He pursued me. With our eyes closed. When we go back and turn back to our first love, when we turn to him right now at this time, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up. Let's just keep the atmosphere going. I would like to invite our church to pray and to have a moment of prayer. And I want us to recommit our commitment to God once again. May our prayers be this morning. God, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. And when you move, God, I will move. I will follow you in this one life that I have. I will follow you. Can we pray together right now? Let's come together as a church. Let's pray to him. Seek his face. Turn back to your first love. He is calling us. Call out to him for he hears you and he is listening to you. Let us pray together.
Father, thank you for pursuing us and coming to the other side for this one. Thank you, Father, for pursuing this individual, this church, this body. Father, thank you for just keeping us calm in the midst of the storm. God, when you call us to go, when you call us to stay, we will follow you. When you move, God, we will move. We will follow you. In this one life, this one chance that I have, I will follow you. And if this life I lose, even then, I will follow you. For when I lose, that is when I win. Father, for God, we serve and we live in the upside-down kingdom. Father, we lose our lives today to find our life today to follow you wholeheartedly. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things. And your precious son, just Christ in my pray. And God's people pray. Amen. amen. And amen. amen.